3: Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.
4: What's up, Open Floor Globe? This is Ben Golver with The Washington Post. I am joined on the other line by Michael the Pod Pina, who is covering the NBA at 538 and GQ. Michael, I am enlisting your help. Hopefully, it's help. Uh, it could be uh, painful for me, I imagine on an assignment that I do every single year called the Entertainment Value Rankings. I've been doing this since the old days. Uh, back when I was at Sports Illustrated, we'd always put it in the magazine for the preview issue. It's a simple premise. What are the most fun teams to watch in the league? What are the least fun teams to watch? Who are we excited about You know, in terms of new additions to rosters? Which breakout stars might pop through and make a certain team uh, even more interesting than we realized? Simple premise, right? Everybody knows this idea league pass rankings, watchability rankings. So, what I usually have done in the past, Michael, is I've created a draft of my list and then I've circulated it around to trusted NBA confidants like yourself to kind of, uh, you know, I guess check my own biases a little bit and and to try to get a list that accurately reflects the entire uh, basketball intelligentsia, uh, more or less. This year, I did not do that, Michael. This year, I went out on a limb. And just took my first draft, my very just gut instincts um, you know, of the of the thirty teams, how I feel about their how, how they're gonna shape up, and I put them into my rankings that I put in my Washington Post newsletter that published Monday. And what I'm gonna have you do, Michael, is now retroactively tell me how I screwed up. Give me uh, your advice on how you would have, uh, you know, edited things had I asked you in advance. And basically, you know, we're going to argue about why I'm right and and why you feel like you're right and and where the truth lies in the middle. How does that sound?
0: This is great. I mean, this is why our forefathers came up with the checks and balances concept for government. And I saw this list and I have a lot to say. So usually
4: as a, you know, a consensus-building president, I would have consulted the Senate and, (laughs) you know, the House of Representatives before putting this together. I tried to do this list this year, Michael, with an executive order, and that can always be dangerous, right? So we'll see. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read the list quickly from 1 through 30, and it's a rankings of all 30 teams by watchability or entertainment value. And then what we're going to do, you're going to present your strongest arguments against my ranking, the ones that make you the angriest or most passionate, where I screwed up the absolute worst. And then we're going to drill into why there could be differences about how those teams function this season. So here comes the list. Without further ado, number one, the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic takes the top spot for me. Number two, the Brooklyn Nets. Number three, the Los Angeles Lakers. Number four, the Portland Trailblazers. Number five, the Denver Nuggets, number six, the Milwaukee Bucks, number seven, the Los Angeles Clippers, number eight, the Boston Celtics, number nine, the Eastern Conference Champions, Miami Heat, number 10, the Phoenix Suns, number 11, Golden State Warriors, number 12, Utah Jazz, number 13, New Orleans Pelicans, number 14, Toronto Raptors, number 15, Philadelphia 76ers, number 16, Memphis Grizzlies, number 17, Atlanta Hawks, number 18, Minnesota Timberwolves, number 19, Washington Wizards, number 20, Indiana Pacers, number 21, Sacramento Kings, number 22, the Charlotte Hornets, number 23, the Chicago Bulls, number 24, Michael's title favorite, the Houston Rockets, (laughs) number 25, the Cleveland Cavaliers, number 26, the San Antonio Spurs, number 27, Orlando Magic, number 28, the Oklahoma City Thunder, number 29, the Detroit Pistons, and last and certainly least, number 30, the New York Knicks. Okay, listeners, you don't have to memorize that list. We're going to be referring back to the positions on where these teams stand. But Michael, when you got that first run through, when you looked at the list, what was the number one thing that angered you about it the most?
0: Where did I screw up? So I didn't even get to finish the list before I knew what my first the first team was that I was going to just unload on you about Oh boy. and that is number 1 Uh-oh. the Dallas Mavericks. I um, Wait, so did you not finish the list or did you not make it no. past the first number? <laughs> I I ended up finishing the list, but the number one most egregious mark I feel like was Dallas at you number one. Um, so
4: I, I wa- this may have been a cheeky play by me
0: because yes, about an hour
4: deep into a podcast last week, you made the comment that the Dallas Mavericks aren't going to make the playoffs. And it blew my mind. I know it blew a few people on social media's mind as well. So how can we explain this gap where I think they're going to be the most entertaining show in the league with Luka Doncic running another elite offense and maybe a little bit more balance around him in terms of offense, defense, a whole bunch a bunch of people who buy into their roles and are good in their roles. Uh, a solid organization behind them. on You know, with a real chance to make a playoff push, I would say this year, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dallas wins a playoff series. How can we explain this gap between my expectations and your expectations, Michael? You don't think they're going to be the most fun team to watch in the league?
0: I love how you had me in your, your mind when you made this list, and you're, you're baiting me here, which I appreciate. Um I want to start by just saying that before last season began, I wrote a column at SB Nation predicting that Dallas would make the playoffs, that their offense would explode, that their roster made a lot of sense around Luka. So I want to preface this by just saying to all the Dallas Mavericks fans out there, I do not hate the Dallas Mavericks. So I also think that if any team is going to disappoint people who have placed high expectations on them, it's the Dallas Mavericks this season. Um, I, I get that you're pumped to watch Luca, and it's conceivable that Luca will win MVP. I understand this. I think he's great. But Chris Taps Porzingis is going to miss at least 20 games, if not more. And then where do we go with this roster that has you so jazzed up? Are you excited to see an offense that's all but guaranteed to be less effective than last year's record-breaking Okay, okay, okay. If they fall off
4: a a cliff because they were on the
0: highest cliff of all time, that's not the worst thing in the world, Michael. Well, there's 29 other teams that will have something to say about it. It's not just how Dallas measures by itself. Uh, They finished 26th in the clutch last year in offense. They finished 30th in transition frequency last year for the third time in five seasons, like, I'm not a Luka skeptic. I I do, however, think it's hard to treat someone who's won two playoff games and zero playoff series like the face of the league, as you are somewhat implying by putting his team number one on a list of league pass rankings. And and real quick, Luka's game is, I just want to point this out. Luka's game, we said this before, is extremely similar to James Harden's game, except he's not as good as James Harden. He might take more step back threes and free throws than James Harden does this season, which are two things that I think Harden gets criticized for ad nauseum. So, like, I get that Luca is exciting to watch. I get that he's amazing. But besides Luca, beyond Luca, like, what are you excited about with this basketball team? Because Luca's not going to play seventy two games in forty eight minutes a night.
4: Bad news for you. This is the year Luca passes James Harden. Um, I think that you know sometimes you're just trapped into this 2017-18 mentality uh, with the Houston Rockets. <laughs> Those days are gone. You need to uh-huh. look forward to the future of 2020 and 2021. The reason why I'm so excited about Luca, it comes back to the fact that we're going to be in empty buildings. The fact that part of the season is going to be pretty darn depressing. Right, that they're rushing through it. That there's already been positive tests in Portland and Toronto and Golden State. And we may just be getting these positive tests nonstop over the next couple of months. If there's a single player who I can count on to bring the competitiveness night in and night out, the joy, the fearlessness, the exquisite skill, and yes, a level of leadership that James Harden has not been able to muster, I think it's Luka Doncic. I look at his age primarily. I mean, you know with Jason Tatum how fast the young guys can improve, Michael, and Luka is just absolutely still in that rapid improvement cycle. It's always something new from him. I uh, actually thought he was very erratic in a lot of late game situations last year, and I, I think that the playoff reps for him helped. You know, I think he did a little bit better against the Clippers. He had a big late game showdown against the Bucks, um, in the bubble. I think he started to get some of those reps that he needed, and so I'm hopeful that that will transition into this season, and they'll be a little bit more stable, and his shot selection will be a, a little bit better late in games. With Dallas, it's not necessarily about any of their number two or number three guys that you're super excited to see. Uh, Nobody would have predicted the the heights their offense reached last year, given that a lot of these players were the same on the roster. It's just a a matter of uh, the whole being greater than the sum of the parts. Luka being able to elevate and and, uh, Rick Carlisle being able to find awesome roles for lots of guys who can kind of fit into them. And I agree. The offense may come back from last season, absolutely possible. But I think that this is all about just watching Luca's incredible basketball journey. And I think there's still some people who um, underrate him after all of this. And uh, you know, I can tell even just from some of these. People like yourself, oh, he's only won two playoff games. Yeah, well, he's 21 years old and he just completely transformed an organization by himself in two years. So just give him two more years. He might very well have a championship. So let's all just take it down a notch on the Lucas skepticism and open your heart to joy. You know, this is a time, Michael, where, you know, (laughs) you you might need a little positivity and optimism in Uh your life. This is the best source of it in the entire league. I can't think of another team that is going to be, you know, more optimistic and fun and entertaining than the Luka experience. Do you have another nomination for the number one team in the league besides Dallas?
0: I I do, um, but I I want to wait and stick to this Dallas Mavericks conversation and and just kind of, I, I don't think you really answered my question when it comes to, like, what are we excited about beyond one player? Like, are you pumped about that's all Jaylen we need Brunch. when he's the best showman <laughs> in the entire league. That's all we need. Well, yeah. But in a league where every other really good team has more than one, like all-star caliber player on it, um, I just I can't buy that argument. Like Jalen Brunson, Porzingis, when he was
4: healthy in the bubble, was was good. He's not going to miss the entire season. There is going to be a ramp up once he comes back. It's not the most serious knee injury in the world, and he was doing some pretty frightening things with the with the shooting last year. I mean, he he steps out and launches comfortably. They know exactly how to use him. It's nice uh, to see an intelligent organization. Uh, make the best of its big men, you know. Compare Porzingis' uh, shot selection to Embiid's, right? I mean, I know one's a lot more entertaining to watch than the other. Um, and, you know, they just, it's just the island of misfit toys. I've got everybody from JJ Barea to Boban Marjanovic to Maxi Kleber. I do miss Seth Curry. That is a big hit to their entertainment. I'm not going to lie. But I actually think that Josh Richardson's a better fit should make the team better. Uh, when, when he's out there and he will play better than he did last year in Philadelphia, I'm not really like going to be pitching the Mavericks on like, Hey, everybody check out the Josh Richardson Renaissance. That's not a very good pitch, but I just think that this all boils down to Luca. And I think you need to tell me a superstar who's going to be a better showman night in night out in, uh, during this season than Luca. It's not going to be LeBron. We know he's going to be coasting. It's not going to be Kawhi. He's going to be a man on the mission, but uh, I don't think he has the same kind of pop and, and fun to his game. I think we all have come to expect what Giannis is capable of. I don't think we we think he's coming back from his European vacation with, you know, crazy dribble moves and step back three pointers and all that. Um, Harden is making it rain in clubs with Lil baby rather than being at training camp. There's not a guy in the league who is going to be more entertaining and more committed to the entertainment aspect than Luka Doncic.
0: I okay. Um, well, I when Luca doesn't play, I'm I'm very because Luca, by the way, has suffered some uh, uh, extended absences because of ankle injuries, etc. So he's not like a bulletproof specimen. But when he's not. Playing, I'm really pumped for Trey Burke's spread pick and roll. Yeah. Uh, Wes Wondu, like what a f- what an addition Wes Owundu was to this team. James Johnson, like <laughs> all right, having all right. uh, having less space than they had last year for Luca to navigate is also a factor here. We should consider. I mean, they got plenty you of space. Me, space is not going to be you, a problem
4: once Porzingis is you, back. They got plenty of space, and Luca he he makes use of it as well as anybody. I will grant you, if he suffers an ankle injury and misses two weeks. It's going to be a steep fall off from Luca to Trey. But look, if you're arguing against
0: Dallas at number one, Michael, you have to have a candidate for number one. So who's your number one? I would I have a number 1. I'm I'm just I want to quickly say that I would place over Dallas on this rankings. I would put both LA teams. I would put oh. Brooklyn, I would put Denver, I would put Golden State, I would put Boston, Houston, Philly, Portland, Phoenix, New Orleans, what? all those teams. <laughs> yep, that's how I feel. You, so you're just a straight up Luka hater. So you don't have Dallas in your top 10? Okay, okay, how did I start this? I specifically started this conversation by letting it be known that I I adore Luca, love watching him play, he's incredible. I just think that in the NBA, and we saw this a couple years, I saw it firsthand a couple years ago with Jason Tatum, like, there is no such thing as linear progress with some of these young, really talented players, like... I'm not going to say Luka caught up, like caught the league off guard last season, but I am saying that he's going to have a humongous target on his back this year in a way that he did not uh, in his sophomore season. So that's fine. Like, Nobody can guard him. I'm not worried about it. You can put
4: as many targets as you want. Try to triple team him, see what happens. He's going to be getting his. No offense to Jason Tatum. Uh, he's no Luka Doncic. I've met Luka Doncic. Jason Tatum is no Luka Doncic. Um, that's some political reference. Um, anyway. <laughs>
0: Can you please just give me your number one? Okay. Um, my number one, I th- I mean, you you had the Nets at two, and I think that the Nets would qualify as a pretty good one for me. I think the Clippers would qualify as a pretty good one for me. Um, my number one is your, I believe your 11, uh, the Golden State Warriors. Oh, Michael. All these arguments you just used against Dallas apply to Golden State way more than they do Dallas. No, 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 no. So – Golden State Warriors, I, I, some of it is, there's some nostalgia here, for sure. Like, I just miss watching Steph Curry play basketball. I miss watching Draymond Green play defense. I miss watching him play the five and small ball lineups. I'm fascinated to see how motivated those two look in particular, but like... Even more importantly, I just want to see how Andrew Wiggins fits into the starting lineup. I want to see how he plays with Draymond. I want to see how he plays with Steph. I want to see James Weissman. He's a fascinating rookie. Is he going to start? Are they going to tie his minutes to the two All Stars? Uh, You know, the Warriors have to play differently. On offense without Clay, they have to play differently than they did when they were a dynasty with Iguodala and Sean Livingston. Last season, they didn't run at all, which was a huge departure from what made them so great when they were winning championships. I expect them to play fast again. Like I, I just want to watch this basketball team play basketball. They bring a lot of joy to my heart, and I, like your rationale for picking. Uh, uh, the Dallas Mavericks because you want to see Luka Doncic and you think Luka Doncic is spectacular despite him doing absolutely nothing in the postseason. I feel that way about Steph Curry, who is a proven uh, two-time MVP who has a lot to still prove out there. So Golden State is just really, really interesting to me right now.
4: I know Luka did hit one more game winner than Tatum's ever hit in the playoffs, so he's done something in the playoffs. Um, I would just say that, I'm going to preface this comment, <laughs> I'm going to preface this comment by just saying it's a line, okay? It's not It's not like a real sentiment. Andrew Wiggins, his uh-huh. parents don't even want to watch Andrew Wiggins play this season. Michael, you can't sell me on the Golden State Warriors on the Andrew Wiggins experience.
0: It's just a fascinating thing. We all want to see what it is. Like, I, I always forget that Andrew Wiggins is... On the Golden State Warriors, personally, I'm just, it's it's like this team has trade assets. They can make a move to upgrade Kelly Oubre, Kent Bazemore. Like, it's just, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun team we're going to see. I think that they could have, like, one of the best offenses in basketball, obviously. Defense is going to be a huge question mark. Like, it's a bounce back year for these guys. They have a chip on their shoulder. Like, I, it's, there's so much more intrigue to me with Golden State than there is with Dallas. A team that I feel like I know what's going to happen with them they're very they're they're a good team in a really tough conference i don't see you know i'm seeing some people label them as like a contender like i know you said that you can see them winning a playoff series which i think is a little more realistic but like the hype with dallas i just i can't i'm not there yet i'm just not there
4: fair enough i understand that um there's no way i could go as high as you're going on golden state because the the worst case scenario is so dark and we saw it last year (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't you feel kind of like a moron, Michael, if you had Golden State, number one, most entertaining team in this upcoming season, and Steph winds up getting hurt like he did last year to any degree, and they're the least entertaining team in the entire league, right? I mean, the whole thing boils down to Steph. So for me, I wound up putting Golden State uh, at the 11th spot because my rationale was Steph by himself is like top three, you know, in terms of mm-hmm. most entertaining showman, best stories and everything else. But he's carrying so much weight and burden for the rest of that team. I don't trust basically anyone else on the roster to actually be a helpful piece this year. Draymond's got to earn it back for me. And I've been his biggest defender basically his entire career. But he's got a lot to prove this year. If anybody's got the, the target, it's, it's him. Uh, Weissman will be fun to watch develop, but young bigs usually struggle and usually don't help their team. So those are probably going to be losing minutes with him on the court. Wiggins and ubre I mean, look, people seem to have a good time with those guys on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, that's, that's not a wing duo that you're going to be playing great basketball with. So this winds up just kind of boiling down to the Steph Curry tries to carry a bad team show, uh, for me. And while that would be entertaining if he was a little bit more alpha minded, I I don't know. I just don't see a scenario where he's going to try to go out there and average 35, which is sort of what my dream would be for this squad. And if he does do that, it will be one of the most entertaining things. But I think it's more likely he's trying to like get these weaker pieces involved, and we get a lot of flashbacks to like the Harrison Barnes experience. We're just like, God, that guy created a wide open shot for you. Why weren't you able to hit it? Why are you, you know, doing all these things and getting in the way of everybody else and slowing the offense down? I just, uh, I don't see the dream can I, can scenario can for Golden you? State unfolding this year.
0: Can I ask you real quick? Like, do you think Steve Kerr, who hasn't coached a basketball game, in like, how I don't even know how like 100, 200 days, whatever it is, um, has been like sitting back, being like, "Yeah, we need Steph to be unselfish again this season. That's our key to victory." Like, I, yes. I don't think that. That's that what is. he's been I doing don't. his
4: entire career. He <laughs> believes all his own stuff, Michael. This guy, he's got very firm philosophies about the, the importance of joy and ball movement and, you know, trying to keep Steph, uh, you know, screening for his teammates so that they can have opportunities. He just does not roll the ball out there like a D'Antoni. I would love to see Steph with D'Antoni as his coach, because it would be exactly what you're hoping for. I don't think Steve Kerr had some massive revelation this summer about, oh, yeah, we need to force feed Steph. And there's also a question whether Steph can could handle that, you know, from a from a health standpoint, um, I guess of all the things I'm hoping for this upcoming season, it's perfect health for Steph. Because if if he's not perfectly healthy, Golden State's not even close to the 11th uh, most entertaining team. And they're not even close to your ranking, You know, even higher up on the list, uh, because they're basically a one-man show, in my opinion.
0: Okay, that's all fair criticism, I suppose, even though you could look in a mirror and apply it exactly to the dallas mavericks but right. i i want to well i just yeah, tr- I, wanna... I trust
4: luca to stay healthier and and also to be motivated night to night and to not you know need rest or anything else like that i mean we saw steph also last year just you know at various points they're trying to kind of protect him uh, for obvious mm-hmm. reasons if mm-hmm. the season goes south we're not going to be getting that much steph curry right and i think for dallas they're all in the the mentality of let's let's play Luca as many minutes as he can handle let's ride him as far as he's going to take us and uh That's right where Steph was, you know, in the 2015 range, you know, 2013, 2014, that whole period where, um, you know, it was time for him to really discover who he was as a player. And that's one of the most fun times of guys' careers. Um, So that's, that, that would be the distinction I would draw there.
5: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!
6: Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply.
0: Can we now kind of move on to my next nitpick? And I want to all along. in. I, I want I them wanna, all. <laughs> I wanna, shoot me with go your in, arrows. <laughs> I want to go in numerical order here and just kind of go down the list. And Okay, so you hated uh, number uh, one. I'm guessing you don't like number two. <laughs> No, I I like number two. I mean, I think you're pretty clean with your top five here. Like Brooklyn, number two, uh, they're going to be fun for sure. Like I want to see KD. This team could have been my number one also. Like Kyrie playing basketball strictly is a fascinating person. Um, Oh, can I I just say
4: real quick, I should have mentioned this up top. So I am not only am I taking into account superstars, I'm taking into account um, office uh, offensive efficiency potential. I'm taking into account. Um, mm-hmm. Personalities and Kyrie counts as a positive on this ranking, right? I wouldn't have Brooklyn as the best team in Eastern Conference, but Kyrie being a disruptor and saying that he needs to move differently because of the pandemic, and so therefore he's not going to do interviews with Michael Pina or anybody else in New York, <laughs> that actually counts a little bit in the entertainment value as a positive because it's like, oh God, what's Kyrie going to do next, right? So um, those kinds of things to me. Like a car crash uh, can be entertaining from this standpoint, right,
0: Uh, on this ranking. So I just wanted to point that out. (laughs) Sure, 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 sure. So, uh, yeah, Brooklyn, uh, obviously entertaining for a lot of different reasons. You have the Lakers third. I'm totally fine putting them there. They have the, you know, they have their defending champions. They revamp their bench. Anthony Davis is a joy to watch play basketball, particularly on the defensive end. And they have LeBron. And like, who's going to argue with LeBron? Even if he's coasting, he's still like a top. LeBron coasting is top five player in the world still. So I'm fine with the Lakers number three. Um, You kind of threw me off guard a little bit with your number four, Uh, Portland, you know, I'm not going to argue with it too much. Like I, I understand where you're coming from. I love watching them play as well. They've added some really interesting pieces. I was wondering if you could just kind of, uh, describe why Portland was this high for you. Cause that one surprised me a little bit. Well, it basically came down
4: to, you know, there's a couple of similar teams in the Western conference. I think that are going to finish in the standings pretty close to each other, right? You've got the Clippers, you've got the Nuggets, you've got the Jazz, you've got the Blazers. And so I was trying to think, okay, well, which of those teams is actually like the most exciting to watch? And I think the problem with the Blazers in recent years and why they wouldn't have fared as well in the entertainment value is they just always had holes in their rotation. And I'm not saying that they've got some stacked, like, you know, nine man group that's just locked in and ready to chase a title, but they've got competent players in a lot of spots where they were playing guys like Mario Hazonia in the past. And I just think that that's enough stability Where, you know, the Damian Lillard experience is going to be able to kind of go off as effectively as it ever has. I also think Mm -hmm. he's another guy where we learn from the bubble. He doesn't need the crowd, right? He's in it to, you know, try to punk people on the court. And I think that's important during this season. Uh, and also, I th- I think that people forget how good New- Yusuf Nurkic was a couple of years ago when he was fully healthy. And so now he's back in the mix. I think their starting lineup looks way better. Their offense defense balance is better. They're going to be in fewer games where it's just kind of like a hopeless shootout. And I think you've got Lillard right smack in his prime. So if I'm kind of comparing him to a Jamal Murray, you know, who who broke through for uh, Denver and-, and may be coming back in a big way. Um, we know what's up with the Jokic experience there for Denver. I look at the Clippers and I feel like they're just going to be sorting through some issues with the new coach and, and some, uh, you know, new rotation pieces and, and things they're going to have to work in. I also think like the Clippers, I dropped them a little bit just because they're almost playing in the shadow of last season. Cause I don't think their roster is as good as last year's. And I think sometimes when, a you know, a team gets close like that, it's just sad to watch them if they're not quite as good the following year. So I think it's just like all positive vibes for Portland. They don't have huge expectations, I don't think. And they've got enough guys to support Lillard. And I think that maybe people forgot Portland had the number two offense in the league last year, um, which is pretty crazy. And they should be back and honestly better this year, uh, I think, given the, the moves that they made this summer.
0: That's a great explainer for why you put them there. I'm not going to argue with it. Um, I respect it a lot. Uh, well, nobody wants to I, hear
4: that. Let's get back to the beefs, Michael. Come okay, on. Tear okay, me down. Let's okay. do
0: this. Uh, okay, so next, real quick, I'm just going to run down because um, we're almost coming up to my next nitpick here. You had Denver number five. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I They're basically the same roster. A couple changes there. Jeremy Grant's out. I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to play more minutes. That's that's spicy. Um you know, i i don't I don't think that Jokic is. You know, you were describing earlier, Luka Doncic is kind of like the number one, most reliable, night in, night out player that brings you joy, like that. Might be Jokic for me right now. I don't think that he's night in night out in the regular season. He needs to prove that for me, and in a truncated year, that's going to be difficult. But like from ent- purely entertaining players, like Jokic is just right there for me. So I totally get why you have Denver number five. I'm with
4: you on that. I, it did come back to the regular season aspect for Jokic because I didn't know if he going to be showing up and working himself back into shape again. I didn't know um, like he's shown what he can do in the playoffs and now they've had some success a couple years in a row and so i think his mentality at this point of his career is probably going to shift a little bit as a big guy he, he doesn't have any need to go out there and kill himself right like he knows he's a top 6 guy in the league and so i think it's going to be some management um and you even just look at his regular season stats and you're like god you know i thought this guy would have way bigger numbers and then he gets to the playoffs and immediately his numbers skyrocket you know so uh, to me that was more about how I expect Denver and Jokic to sort of manage the season also because they're coming off a long bubble run. You know, they're having less turnaround time than Mm -hmm. some of these other teams as well. So, um, you know, there was some conversation, should Jokic be like an MVP candidate? I would be selling on that one. I wouldn't be buying, uh, just because of, Kind of the weirdness factors and the schedule uh, change this year. Can I please have some more beef, Michael? I'm, I was enjoying. Beef. I was enjoying when we were yelling at each other earlier, and now you're being way too I,
0: polite. I, I got beef for you. Uh, the Bucks at six. What is what is going on here? Like, I think that that is a little too high. Um, the Bucks aren't boring to me per se, but they aren't boring in the same way that Home Alone 2 isn't boring, even though I know (laughs) it's going to happen in every scene. Like, I know know when the paint cans are getting lobbed over the balcony, or or the tool chest is getting shoved down the stairs, it's great. I'm not pumped to throw Home Alone 2 on every week and watch it, and even with Giannis doing Giannis things, like... I know what's going to happen with, with when the Bucks play basketball. I know how they're going to approach every single defensive possession, every single offensive possession. The beats are just like this formula, and it's hypnotizing in a way that's like I've I've been there, done that with this. So like even though they've added Drew Holiday, even though they've added Bryn Forbes, even though they Craig, et cetera, et cetera, like wake me in the playoffs when these guys are actually given an opportunity to make a difference and we start asking lineup rotation scheme related questions the regular season I'm just not I'm just not interested in this in this team that's fair
4: Um, I guess here's my counter number one they have a lot of new pieces right so are those guys capable of hitting the same notes or are we going to start to see some regular season cracks right because um, they they brought in a lot of new guys and a lot of the the players in their rotation last year just left for for one reason or another so some of the fascination just comes from how does Giannis adjust to his new teammates and are these guys any good um you know are are they able to kind of play the right way Bobby Portis major question mark right i mean
0: it, <laughs> we, we we went over Bobby Portis yeah, Portis yeah
4: and he's not the only one so that's part of it i think the other part of it too is Giannis is still more entertaining as an individual player than he gets credit for. I think all the dunks tend to run together, and I think people who question him as a playoff player you know, tend to say, oh, well, it's almost like the knock Harden gets. Like, oh, yeah, cool, he scores 50 in the regular season. I'm telling you, on a random Tuesday night in March during a pandemic when we can't go outside, it's going to be fun to watch Giannis slalom through... Three defenders, and you know, stretch that arm out and get a dunk at the rim. That's still a pretty entertaining proposition. And I also think um, I'm interested in watching this team because of Drew Holiday, right? I think there's a real debate, like what is his value? How how good is he on a good team? We didn't see it in New Orleans. He wasn't good enough to, to kind of turn them around. He had one season where he was very helpful alongside Anthony Davis, um, and the Bucks are really, really counting on him. So I think that. You know, for basketball dorks out there, he's a player to circle and say, like, all right, well, how's he fitting in during the regular season? What is he doing that players like Bledsoe and George Hill couldn't do last year? Did he actually raise their ceiling, or is Milwaukee headed straight for another playoff disaster? I mean, I think those are reasons to watch the Bucks this year. I actually think Milwaukee will not be as good as last year during the regular season. I think last year they, they brought back a lot more continuity than they did uh, this year. And uh, I also think that they were just in a beautiful rhythm. And I think it's going to be hard for any team to capture that type of rhythm you know, during this weird schedule. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, uh, but I do think they're coming back to earth a little bit. And part of the reason why they haven't been as entertaining to watch in, in previous years is because they just beat everybody by 15 points every night. And that does get a little bit boring. And like you're saying, you're seeing the same beats over and over. I think there could be a little bit more struggle for them this year, and, and we'll see if that's how it shakes out too. And I mean, part of it is it's fun to watch Giannis struggle. It's a, a little bit of a sick thing to say, Michael. But when he is, when he's getting pushed, when he's struggling late in games, when he's getting himself so wound up with uh, officials and and foul calls, and at some point headbutting an opponent, and all these kinds of things, there's a certain beauty to watching greatness not quite be able to be finalized and achieved, right? And I think Giannis is right at that stage of his career where it's like, how can I figure this out? How can I finally turn this corner? Am I ever going to be able to do it? That's an open question right now. And I'm sure there's a lot of doubters who are going to say, Giannis has taken this thing as far as he can take it. And, you know, he's just not going to be that guy. I think if we're three years down the road and he's still in that same spot, it will start to get sad. But I think for right now, it's kind of a captivating storyline for me. So that's why I'm... uh, higher on the Bucks, maybe than you are. And I imagine there's a lot of other people too who would uh, would share your opinion on that one.
0: I think I would have Milwaukee like in my top five firmly if Bud was no longer the coach. <laughs> and I, and I we could tried. actually- Michael, I did my I part know. on that one during the summer, Okay. I know, I know you did, um, and so that's kind of maybe I'm making an assumption. Like I, I think you're on the same page with me when I say that I, I don't think Bud is going to tinker with the schemes, and I don't think he's going to be switching on and off the ball in random games in in March uh, to kind of prepare for the playoffs. Like I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. If I did think that, I would put them in the top five for sure, because I am intrigued to see a little bit of what Drew Holiday can do. But I just see them thinking that Drew Holiday in Eric Bledsoe's exact role as a talent upgrade is enough and the scheme wasn't the issue. So that's kind of why I'm for just, sure. I'm, no, I'm down on watching Milwaukee. I think your read on that part is right. I'm going to pin all my hopes
4: to one comment that Giannis made towards the end of the playoffs when he said, Yes, I could have played more, right? And it was all about the huge debate. Is he (laughs) getting enough playoff minutes? Is he not? You know, Bud is just like catching heat from everywhere and he's being stubborn. He's doubling down and he's tripling down. You know, if whether or not Giannis signs the Supermax, I think either way, he's got more influence than ever in that organization. If he signs it, it's his team. You have to play by his rules. If he doesn't, you're terrified that he's about to leave. You've got to listen to him if he has any complaints. I think that he gave Bud every shot the last couple of years to do it Bud's way, and Bud's way didn't work. So I would hope that Giannis is getting uh, good advice and, and people around him are saying, look, if something feels off this season, if you feel like you're walking right down to that same alley and you're about to get mugged again in the playoffs, don't do it. <laughs> Go a different direction and uh, and push back on it. And I think that you know m- most superstar guys have had that moment in their career um, where they've Pushback against coaches, LeBron certainly has. I think Kevin Durant has. Um, you go down the list. This could be the year that Giannis needs to kind of find that uh, you know pitch in his arsenal, but it's not who he naturally is. You know, he's a very coachable player. He doesn't want to have those kinds of conflicts. He does. He wants to be seen as somebody who's who's kind of following orders and doing his job. And so that could be another reason to watch here too. Can we get some brewing tension between
0: Bud and Giannis? It's- It's almost like a rite of passage for NBA superstars to get their coach fired. (laughs) That's kind of what I'm expecting, honestly, from Giannis at some point. I mean, he's got the cachet. Like I'm
4: saying, that could be entertaining, Michael. It could be a great reason to watch, even if it's not producing, you know,
0: 65 wins or whatever. All right, what's your next beef? All right, so next up you had the Clippers here. Um, I would have had the Clippers substantially higher. I mean, I would dangle them at number one for me. Like, I think that the chemistry subplot is officially overblown, personally. Like, I don't think that we can just 100% tack on these guys being upset with one another on blowing a 3-1 lead when no one's shots were falling and holding big halftime leads against the Denver Nuggets in the second round of of the bubble. Like, I just there's more basketball related stuff here that is just not getting enough coverage in my opinion. And they lose Montrez Harrell, who was, uh, you know, a source of the, the discontent in the locker room. Um, so I just, I, I just want right to, write off the top say that I, I'm not like, I don't think the chemistry is a big deal, but at the same time, a lot of people disagree with me and every minute, of Like, every time uh, there's a turnover or Kawhi Leonard thinks someone's in the corner and they're not and he throws a pass there, like, that's when, you know, uh, people's antennas are going to be just flared, absolutely. So, I, like, I totally get that, and that's an intriguing point with them. But, like, the reason why I would have them so high is just no team has higher stakes or more pressure. And I'm fascinated to see how Tyloo Lu alters what they did or if he alters what they did at all how he holds the stars accountable, Kawhi and PG, how that impacts just how those two guys play. Um, I'm interested in, I, I think we've we've mentioned a little bit before, but just I think their roster is more interesting this year with Luke Kennard, um, with Batum, uh, the, the remains of, of Nicholas Batum just being exhumed here. I think that that could be fascinating. They have Ibaka now who's a champion, who's has experience with Kawhi Leonard, who was recruited by Kawhi Leonard. So I, I'm just really fascinated to see this team. I think they're going to make a move in the middle of the season, which will obviously also get us buzzing. And as the closest team to actually toppling the Lakers, like there's just so much intrigue here, and the stakes could not be higher. As I already said, so the, the Clippers would have been farther up my list. It's a, it's a great argument. So how high would you have them? Top three or? I mean, since I don't have an official list, I, I mean, I would put them, like, yeah, top three. I think I think the Nets, Warriors, Clippers, and some sort of triumvirate would have been my top three, I think. So, um, first thought on the
4: chemistry thing. It, it's mm-hmm. a real deal. It's definitely getting too much attention because it's the only story about the team that ever gets talked about right If you go back to the bubble, Doc mentioned it, Lou Williams mentioned it, Paul George mentioned it, Kawhi Leonard mentioned it, right? So they all kind of get it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they had toxic relationships. They just never really came together as a team last year. And I think um, that showed through in some of the basketball stuff that you're describing. When it got tough in the second half, they didn't really trust each other, right? They kind of all looked around and it was a little bit more of a passive thing and they didn't... uh, have the ability to dig deep a little bit and, you know, handle that adversity. And they also, I think, didn't really trust their coach in some of those moments with the the moves that he was making. And, and that's why he's no longer there. So I think that ref- having time to reflect on it, moving forward with a different coaching staff and bringing back a lot of talent, it does set you up to be in a better chemistry position just simply by being in year two compared to year one. But I also think that this roster... Has a lot of pieces that could still move going forward. It's got some new guys who came in, and outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you know, where are the long-term pieces? Who is feeling like they're completely locked in there, and and who is kind of buying into, you know, I'm part of Kawhi Leonard's, you know, supporting cast. I'm a, a trusted Kawhi Leonard ally. I'm not sure that piece is there, and so for me, a lot of the enjoyment factor from the Clippers. It kind of boils down to like, I don't love the Kawhi experience. I like it. When he's playing great, it's fun to watch, but his teammates don't really seem to love being teammates with him. He didn't really develop a great relationship on the court that we saw from Paul George. There's a lot of progress between those two players alone that could be made. Um, you know, you're in a situation where you know, it's going to be an isolating experience on the road this year. There's all these limits about what players are going to be able to do and not do. And I can see the Clippers not handling that aspect of it uh, very well, especially given their track record in the bubble where they did not handle the bubble very well. And um, we're reportedly among the, the first teams that were kind of ready to leave. Uh, if that was an option and they clearly made sure they checked out early after losing <laughs> the three, one lead to, to Denver, uh, they got out of there as quickly as possible. So um All those things have me nervous about them. And I hate when I watch a team that's got talent and doesn't live up to its potential. And I'm just worried I'm going to see that with the Clippers. And like I said earlier, I'm also worried they're not going to live up to last year's standard. You know, I think when I look back on the, the big exciting move between Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I was all in on them as the title favorites. I thought they had the deepest roster in the league. I don't think that they have that this year. And I worry if they've taken a half step back, did they blow their best shot? And I think that can hang over a team too. And so I just worry about the woulda, coulda, shouldas with the Clippers as well. Um, That said, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard both come back on the same page, they're both playing like MVPs, this will be a very,
0: very, very fun team to watch. Is it possible that we see a Kawhi Leonard revenge tour where he actually looks in the mirror throughout this offseason every day and he's like, man, I screwed up big time. Like, there's something about me that needs to change. I sure hope
4: so. I really hope so. I mean, are you hoping for it? Are you banking on it?
0: I just would love to see him be the Terminator on a night-in-night-out basis. Like, that's all I want. He's one of my favorite players. I've said that a million times. Like, his Game 7 was such an aberration more than, like, uh, Manifest Destiny because of chemistry issues, in, in my opinion. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing... Just, he's a guy who obviously... Gets better, like a part of his game that was a perceived weakness gets better every single year. I'm looking forward to seeing what he did in this offseason to improve. He's he's such a joy to watch, in my opinion. Yeah,
4: it's just not about his game; it's about his personality, his mm-hmm. leadership presence. That's the challenge for him this year. And I'll be honest; I don't know if he's up to it. I just don't, and I don't buy into it, so I can't put him in my top three. But I, I see where you're coming from. Who are your? What's your next beef on this list, Michael?
0: okay so real quick we're just gonna skim through some some teams that i was fine with as we get to my next beef um celtics i'm fine with you you had the celtics at eight heat at nine suns at 10 you had the warriors at 11 we already talked about them jazz at 12 okay um 13 the new orleans pelicans i was shocked that you had the pelicans this far down like absolutely stunned um and I never thought that I would have the Pelicans like considerably higher than than you would. Um, like Zion William, are you just out on what ha- because of the bubble? I know you're like plugged in, trying to finish this book and write this book right now, and your 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 brain is in the bubble still in some ways. Like they were so disappointing in the bubble. I think is that was that a factor at all in kind of you putting them? so far down this list or do you not even consider them to be far down the list?
4: Look, I was so upset when uh, Katie chose to play with Kyrie because I felt like that was going to spoil the Katie experience. And now we took my guy Zion and we we strapped Eric Bledsoe to him. And I think, unfortunately, like there's so many repressed, uh, you know, disappointments from Bledsoe and, and how he sort of altered the course of Giannis' career in, in recent postseasons for me that I just, I had to drop them five spots on this list just out of just a protective impulse, right? Because I'm just worried that Zion's not going to be his best self. Um, Okay, I'm laying that on a little bit thick. Mm -hmm. I'm just really worried about the fit questions. And I think there's a lot Mm -hmm. of fit questions. And when Zion comes back in the middle of last season the whole thing is, okay, well, it was Brandon Ingram's team, but now it's Zion's team. How are they going to work through that? And they kind of never found an answer. In in fact, in the bubble, it was clear they had no answer. And I feel like that tension comes to a head this season. You're entering the year. You can't avoid it. Both guys are healthy. They don't really fit together very well, in my opinion. I don't see how they complement each other really on either end that well. And so that can be frustrating when you've got, you know, two young talents I mean, it's not quite like a, a Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid thing. Um, and there's going to be exciting moments between the two of them for sure. But to me, they just kind of work in contrast and that that's going to take a long time to play out when they're that young. You know, there's not going to be some immediate trade. So it's there's almost this dread factor of like, God, if these guys don't look good this season, you're going to be stuck with it for three more years at least. And then they finally make a trade. And it's like, where is this going? That has me a little bit nervous. Um. I don't really trust Lonzo. You know, I like the highlight plays. People fall in love with the highlight plays, but night to night, he is not a fun player to watch. He's just frustrating. Doesn't live up to his potential. I think he's made some talk about he wants to be most improved player or, or something like that. I hope that happens. I really hope he just locks in because it's a contract year and he goes nuts. Um, but I'm also not banking on it. And I just think that. The Pelicans are a lot more entertaining in the abstract in like their five-year plan. After all these draft picks that they've accumulated, the fact that they've got Zion, they can almost build in any direction around him. But this current direction just feels very muddled. Like they've got the Bash brothers inside with Steven Adams and Zion. That will be fun to watch. It's going to be very different aesthetically than any other team in the league. There's no other team that's got a four and a five that's going to be pounding people like those guys together. Um, but I also think that comes at Brandon Ingram's expense. Like I said, I don't really trust their guards. And I, I sort of hope, I mean, I think they're going to be right in that, that zone where they're they're decent, but not great. And they're not terrible. So they're just going to sort of be floating around in that 10, 11, 12 playoff range. And usually I tend to check out on those teams uh, as the the season unfolds. So that's sort of what I anticipate for New Orleans. Am I being too pessimistic? I mean, look, part of this is about more than just highlight plays. You can always catch the Zion highlights, right? But is this about like, I've got to go tune in to watch the Pelicans experience and they've got to earn back some
0: trust. They were just an awful, awful watch down there in Disney World. Well, the NBA is hoping you're wrong because the Pelicans have basically as many nationally televised appearances as anybody else. Um, you know, Zion Williamson, without a minutes restriction, as was said during media week by him, uh, is just like, that's enough of a reason to put this team in the top five for me. Um, and wow. Oh, my. You're convincing. What? Me. You're convincing me. Yeah, I, that was quick.
4: <laughs> um, you're making like, me fall back in love with Zion.
0: Yeah, he's he's a joy. Um like I think the question of, you know, can he become a top 15 player this season? Is that a crazy question? I don't I don't think it is. I don't know if he will, but I think it's a question worth considering and analyzing. Like when I think about them stylistically, Stan Van Gundy be- suddenly becoming the coach from Alvin Gentry is going to be I mean I mean that's just a real fascinating what the hell's going to happen here like they were one of the fastest teams in nba history last season before the the year was suspended um they were on track to break all these different seconds per possession records like they feasted in in the in in the open floor like are they still going to play fast and that's like to lonzo's strength to zion's strength uh to bledsoe's strength they just drafted um a small speedy point guard with their lottery pick like, is Stan Van Gundy going to put the clamps on them and and, and, and instill defensive principles? Like, I, I personally hope not. Um, but, like, I also, you know, you talk about Stephen Adams and sort of uh, how he can um, – Be this like bruiser at the five who's sort of out of step with where the NBA is headed, in particular at his position. I think he's a great pick and roll partner for someone like Bledsoe or Lonzo or whoever is going to be running pick and rolls with him, and a nice veteran presence. Like I think there's some competency um, that he provides, and you know, along with JJ Redick, like this this roster is just so strange with the veteran young talent mashup, like I'm just really fascinated to watch them. And again, it all boils down to Zion, who is just a phenom, like an absolute phenom. And plus, like real quick, Brandon Ingram has a has an afro right now, which I'm a huge fan of. So I'm really looking forward to, to watching that and I hope it stays. Uh, Yes.
4: Um, (laughs) (laughs) Brandon Ingram's like media day shots were probably the most entertaining of anyone. So I'm going to give you a little bonus point credit for that. Are you worried about the tension between Zion and Ingram that I'm describing? I mean, you're painting a very rosy picture here. Maybe Stan can just figure it out in a way that Alvin Gentry can't. I mean, there's an argument to be made that uh, maybe the Stan bump is even bigger than the, the Boylan bounce that we're expecting in Chicago, where like all of Chicago's players are going to be magically 20% better because they have a, a coach that's not Boylan. Does Stan have the same kind of a, a turnaround impact in New Orleans? We can hope. I just don't know how you resolve that Ingram-Zion thing.
0: Mm, I mean, I, we talk about this a lot. Like, I'm way higher on Ingram than I think you are. Um, I think that he's a totally like a Brandon Ingram Zion pick and roll, which barely happened last year, but was very successful efficiency wise when it did. Like, I'm really looking forward to seeing that unfold and them developing some more offensive chemistry together. I think defensively, we'll see what type of lineups are played um, because that'll have an impact there. Is Zion ever going to get minutes at the five? We'll see. All I'm saying is if you
4: run that pick and roll, and that big man cuts through the pain. You better be feeding him and not just dribbling the air out of the ball on the perimeter, Brandon Ingram. You better feed that beast rolling <laughs> to the hoop. Take care of your big man because he's out there working, setting you screens. That's, that's my Fair. only take there. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is...
0: Okay. So I think we covered the Pelicans. We did. Next um, beef. Bring it on. Okay. So your next team was Toronto. I'm, I'm like fine with Toronto. Personally, I would probably have them a little lower. I'm not that interested in what's going on there. Um, My argument, while they'll be interesting, is because remember when they went frisky and short
4: and super small without Ibaka and Marcus Gasol in the bubble? And they mm-hmm. had that crazy comeback against Boston, and it was just like they were giving up a dunk on one end and then finding a way to score on the other end. It was just like frenetic and kind of crazy. They're mm-hmm. going to probably have to do that a decent amount this year. You know, I like that Baines fit, but when they go small, whether it's like Pascal at the five or OG at the five, I and mean, they're going to have opportunities to do that. I prefer that way more than the Alex Len look. And hopefully Nick Nurse does too. So I'm just kind of hoping that he dabbled in the super small ball in the bubble and he just comes back this season and is like, yeah, that was the good stuff. And we get that because that, you know, I I just kind of want the NBA to go that direction. You know, the interchangeable that we've talked about the last couple of years where you're just kind of taking out traditional centers, having guys who can play multiple positions, defend multiple positions, and just get... Wild with your lineups. When Toronto went that way, it was pretty sweet. So I hope we see that more this year.
0: So so what you're saying is that if Coach Bud was the coach of the Raptors, they would rank twenty-sixth on this list, basically. If Coach
4: Bud was the coach of the Raptors, they probably would just be doing lots of drop defense with Alex Len and I'd be like, God, why are we doing this? (laughs) Um no, if if Nick Nurse was the coach of the Bucks, Giannis would be playing the five, don't you think?
0: Oh, yeah, one (laughs) hundred percent. So that'd be way better. yeah, no, it would be that we've we had this whole discussion in an earlier episode during the playoffs, I think. But yeah, it would be the Bucks would be like number one for me with a bullet if Nick Nurse was their coach. Um, so next up, you had Philly at fifteen. I, I think that that's kind of fair. I would I would have maybe been I'm a little more intrigued I think than maybe you are to to watch them. Um, yeah, Danny Green's Danny Green though.
4: I mean, look, I understand the idea of hey, we got so much more shooting; it's going to be great. Like, sure, sure, you did. You got. okay (laughs) you got average shooting yeah like it's not al horford clogging everything up but it's not you know world beating shooting it's not clay thompson out there at the
0: two i can't wait to see i hope someone leaks this but luka Doncic's text message bill when we're like three weeks into the season and he's just texting seth curry every 15 minutes please come home (laughs) i miss you um but yeah, that's neither here nor there. Um, you had Memphis sixteen. Don't care. Don't really want to talk about them. Sorry, Memphis seventeen. Atlanta Hawks. This was a beef for me. A big beef. Um, the Atlanta Hawks are really high. Would be really high on my list. Um, I love everything they did during the off season. I think they should have a top ten offense and can flirt with a top five offense. I think Trey Young is a magician. Bogdan Bogdanovich was one of my 10 favorite players to just watch individually two years ago. And then, you know, all this weird stuff happened last season and it was less fun. So I'm thrilled that he's on the East Coast and not in a toxic situation and and with players that really compliment him that he's able to compliment. Rajon Rondo is my favorite player of all time. Uh, I was a big fan of... This is the dream team now that I'm thinking about (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, so Hawks are like super duper up there for me. Like I... I love everything about them. I mean, I wrote a piece about Chris Dunn. It was so, I don't think I said that I told this story ever on the pod, but like the night that Chris Dunn suffered his knee injury in Brooklyn, I sat next to him at his locker and we talked for like 15 minutes about how he approaches the defensive end. And like he, I learned a ton just in a 15 minute conversation with him. I'm like, Enamored with his impact, uh, potential impact in Atlanta, just as a a ball handling, versatile defender. That's exactly what they need. So, like, I think that the lineups can be super fascinating. They can go all offense, they can mix it up a little bit. Uh, Lloyd Pierce has his work cut out for him with that regard, but uh, the optionality. That was a very polite way of saying they're going to have the worst defense in the NBA, Michael. And that's why they, that's what
4: held them back (laughs) for me. So here's the thing, the computers, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, like ESPN's real plus minus projections have them at the number six offense and the number 30 defense. And so that is, that's why I'm a little bit lower on them than you are. When I see teams that are just like, you know, so committed to one way basketball that lines up just kind of grating on me after about a month. Like, I really enjoy. You know, if Trey Young is going to come out and score forty, uh, there's going to be a night where he and Bogdan combine for seventy, right? And it could happen mm-hmm. pretty early in the season, and we're all going to get super duper excited about it, right? And then a month is going to pass, and we're going to see that they're at, they're allowing like 122 points per game, right? And they're just they're just in a shootout every single night, and that part. You know, if I have any complaint about the modern game, it's that, you know, some of the stats start to feel a little bit empty. Some of the record setting starts to feel a little like popcorn numbers. And it's just like, okay, well, now is the time you guys need to step up on defensively, you know, crank crank it up a notch. And if you don't have the ability to crank it up a notch, then it's just sort of like the whole thing feels pointless to me. I get into this ennui of like, oh God, everybody just scores points now. No one plays defense anymore. I remember the 90s and it just goes down this you know, mental trail that I don't really want to go. They're not the only team, by the way, that's going to send me that way. The Washington Wizards absolutely could do that. It's possible even the Brooklyn Nets are going to be like the high-class version of that mm. same problem. So there's there's teams that have bothered me with this, um, you know, this same kind of formula in the past. And so I, I've seen the show before. It's not that I'm not going to enjoy it from them, and I'm glad that they got Trey some help. They're going to be way more watchable than last year. Um, I'm just worried that it's going to ultimately feel unfulfilling. It's like just they're, they're the whipped cream, you know, of the meal. You're just putting whipped cream into your mouth for two hours. That's not satisfying really. I mean, it is for the first time, but if you do that every single night for dinner, you're going to feel terrible. And I I feel like that's going to be, that's going to be the experience for these guys.
0: This is such a coincidence because whipped cream is my favorite food. Um, Seriously? So move, Moving. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, Peter, we um, learned so much about you on this episode. Awesome. I know. It's so delicious. Um, so Wait, do you eat you it, had it for m- meals? Like just straight up whipped cream? I, no, that was a total joke. Oh, but right. I do love the taste of whipped cream. I put it on my ice cream. um, sprinkle some jimmies on, on that on the top it's just it's it's a delicious concoction i don't really Whoa. even know what whipped cream is but this should beautiful.
4: be your number one team if you do this if ranking if you if gq uh, you contracts know. <laughs> you just
0: go all the way with it say you know what screw defense here we go no, I I think that like if I were to say that at the top, our podcast would have ended after like three minutes. Um, you would have hung up the phone. <laughs> no, no. So no. I, I could so I couldn't go there. But no, I do love Atlanta. I love. I really am gonna watch a lot of Atlanta Hawks basketball this season. All right, Michael, we're we're getting towards the dregs of this list though. So give me your next beef. So this is my second biggest beef and the the biggest surprise when I was scanning the list. I think besides you having uh, Dallas at number one the houston rockets at 24 i felt attacked you should with this feel placement. attacked
4: they're attacking you don't don't put it on me bro that's been the rockets they're they're breaking your heart not me
0: you you had them no this is on you i'm sorry you had them behind the charlotte hornets the indiana pacers the sacramento kings the chicago bulls like ben Come on, I know, I, I, You've admitted that putting Dallas number one was in part to troll me. What is, what? Come on, man. Just apologize. I feel attacked. There will be no apology.
4: The you are going to need to direct <laughs> that apology towards Landry's Inc. Uh, Tillman Fertitta, not me. <laughs> okay, you're not getting an apology from me. Here's the thing. There's a very real chance James Harden gets traded. At that point, they could be the worst team in the league. They could be worse than the Knicks from from an entertainment value standpoint. (laughs) I know blog boys like you are going to say, well, pick and rolls between John Wall and Christian Wood. Forget about it, dude. I'm not trying to watch that this year. Not after this team was one of the most stable winning organizations for the last eight years. You're never going to be able to sell me on this being a fun season in any way after watching it completely combust. And I have actually seen a number of Rockets fans in denial on Twitter. They're trying to talk themselves into a a John Wall, James Harden pairing. Forget it. It's not going to work. It's going to be terrible. It's going to be worse than the Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden pairing. It is not going to be entertaining. Just get it through your head now. I know everyone's just like, so much has happened in a short period of time. It's very difficult to wrap your mind around it. This team got blown up. They're done. And it's really sad. It's one of the saddest things, frankly, that happened this offseason from a basketball standpoint. I can't believe they're not going to be in our lives. They're not going to make the playoffs, even if they keep Harden. And it's going to be a drag the whole season long.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay, so everyone go to five thirty-eight tomorrow or today, whenever you. We're recording this on a Monday. Um, I have an article going up about Christian Wood that is basically <laughs> right on schedule in, oppos- in opposition to every single thing that Ben just said. Um, he's going to lead a playoff like, push. They're going to be the three okay, seed with Christian so, Wood. <laughs> so, uh, like, honestly, even if Harden gets traded, which he's a guy who has two years on his deal who I understand that, you know, I'm following the news. I'm a a rational human being. I see the writing on the wall in a lot of ways. I also see an organization that isn't just going to trade him to trade him and needs a trade partner that can give a a, a crap ton of draft picks because Drew Holiday just got... Uh, three for the Pelicans with two pick swaps. So like until that happens, he's not going anywhere. This organization just did a great job of twisting Washington's arms for assets and taking
4: on the worst contract in the league to dump Russell Westbrook. Look, these guys are backed into a corner. They can say what all they want about, oh yeah, we're willing to be uncomfortable. James Harden's on video without a mask during a pandemic, throwing money in the air and giving a $300,000 birthday gift to Lil Baby this week he's not at training camp. You guys got to open your eyes, Michael. This is a crisis.
0: <laughs> Come on. So, uh I, <laughs> great. All 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 legitimate points you are making. I just want to say if first of all, if Harden stays, they are making the playoffs. They're going to be a very good team. Secondly, if Harden gets traded, a te- I know you just tried to shoot down this argument before I could make it, but a team with a team with John Wall, who uh, check the Houston Rockets Instagram if you want to look at someone who's just a blur with the ball in his hand. Just a, a total phenom. I don't need to see any of the actual footage. Just the, the cut reel that they put together was spectacular. He looks ready to go. Um, you add Christian Wood, who I mentioned before, who prop bets in Vegas have him second most likely to win most improved player. He's uh on the record saying he wants to be an all-star thinks he can be an all-star who knows maybe he can be an all-star he will um, not be he, an all-star narrator says. Okay. <laughs> okay 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 uh, also fair um add those two players to a group that you know has a lot of it has a pedigree i'm sorry like pj tucker is probably you know uh, uh, if they do tucker's gone too. together all right come on okay okay so uh, uh, even okay You have Wall, you have Christian Wood. Those two aren't going anywhere for reasons that we we both agree on. Whatever Houston gets for Harden will be like the package that comes back will not just be draft picks. There will be at least one very good young player on it. A fascinating young player who presumably compliments Christian Wood, who's an easy player to compliment, and a player who's easy to compliment whoever else is on the floor with him. So I think that even if they do trade Harden, I'm putting him above charlotte and uh, like the pacers to me the pacers are my 30th team honestly or 29th team like they are just at the absolute it's the same exact roster as last year we know what's going on with them they're not interesting i don't like how they play basketball they're not fun so like having the come on the rockets can't be below the pacers they can't be below the sacramento kings like you know i i know if you were to put someone strapped you to a lie detector test you would agree with these statements no
4: I'm out. I am all the way out on Houston. You're not going to be able to watch these guys without thinking what what could have been. They're living in the shadow of a much better team from two years ago. Um, It's going to be a rough... I mean, the coach doesn't even know when the star player is showing up to training camp. You know, he's already giving his press conferences. Oh, yeah, you're gonna have to ask James. He'll be here eventually. Sorry, this is a this is a lost cause and the sooner you realize that, the less your heart will break down the road, Michael, good luck to you. All right, we've got uh, a bottom five here. It's like <laughs> Cleveland, San Antonio, Orlando, Oklahoma City, Detroit, and New York. I guess that's a bottom six. Any of those teams that you want to nominate that they should have been higher um, or are you with me on on the dregs?
0: Uh, No, I think you hit the nail on the head here. Uh, Maybe the Spurs could be a little higher. Um, You know, they're potentially going to make trades here with Lamarcus Aldridge. I don't really know what the market would be for DeMar DeRozan. He's not that type of player, but um you know uh, they were very frisky in the bubble we should say and they played a different brand of basketball so if that carries over I think they're yeah. an interesting team I'm punishing them for not making the trades that's how I look at it look I'm mad
4: you should have traded Aldridge you should have traded to you should have gone with the young group and just seen what happened you didn't do it so therefore you're
0: down there with Cleveland and Orlando and you know check back next year if you figure it out is there any Scenario also where Detroit is just like so weird that they're fun? Is that a possibility? Like, (laughs) that's a good question. I hadn't even considered it because I wrote them off so quickly. So, make the case, right? I mean, you have Killian Hayes, the rookie. I'm not really putting too much stock into him necessarily, but. Uh, you know healthy Blake Griffin looks good apparently Derek Rose was I I'm, I'm my arguments are just like falling apart as I'm speaking like I have nothing positive yeah. to you're, say You're actually. listing players
4: names that of guys who I would have enjoyed watching in 2012 but it is 2020 and almost 2021 so I'm going to go with no I just think the I'm going to watch them every single night and be like, Jeremy Grant, you got bad advice. Come on, bro. You needed to stay with Denver and you needed to go get a title. What are you doing out there? That was,
0: that was a mistake.
4: Yeah. Averaging, you know, 16 points on 37% field goal shooting and like jacking up all these shots that are just disastrous and making Dwayne Casey grumble. You know, I don't want to have any part to that experience. I'm going to leave that to the Pistons fans. All right, Michael, I'm going to give you the the, the opportunity for one final lasting beef what was the last thing on your mind that that angered you from this list
0: i don't know if anger is the right word um irritated i just want to ta- okay minnesota timberwolves oh um you had them at 18 right behind the hawks right in front of the wizards not a coincidence Look, by the way those are all teams that only
4: play offense 100... and don't
0: play defense so that's
4: why they're all kind what? of grouped together they anger me for the same reason and uh i I actually have more love for Trey Young than I do for D'Angelo Russell or Russell Westbrook. So that's how I came at that list. (laughs)
0: Does it make sense? That is, uh, yeah, totally makes a lot of sense. Um, The reason why I I think that they maybe deserve a little bit more um, attention in a positive light is, you know, they have the number one pick in the draft, Anthony Edwards. He's going to play quite a bit. D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns played one game together. Uh, last season uh, against the Toronto Raptors, I-, I feel like this is a just like a fascinating sleeper to potentially get like in that play-in situation as a ten seed. Like I'm not calling that right now, and I think that their defense is going to be absolutely atrocious. But you also have to factor in that they add some competence. With Ricky Rubio at the point guard spot, and um, you know he is a floor raiser, so I'm just I'm intrigued to see how they look. You know they they did buy into this analytics friendly model of of play last season. You know they play pretty fast, they shoot a lot of threes, they take the right shots, they defend spots on the floor that need to be defended. Um, they just haven't had the talent, so. I feel like if they're just a little bit more organized in how they want to approach things, that they could win more games than maybe we're anticipating. But like, it, this is more just a play on I'm fascinated to see how it all plays out, and, and I want to watch Anthony Edwards and see if he's as good as, as number one picks typically are.
4: I'll, I'll just say, I would love for your vision to come to reality. This organization has been through an awful lot the past year, You know, mm-hmm. starting with Carl Towns' situation, but also, I mean, just they went through a ton of trades. They had some organizational layoffs. The ownership is talking about maybe selling the team. They have just been put through the ringer every direction. And I think that know kind of their karmic balanced out when they got that number one pick right but then we're all sitting around here saying well was it even a fit was it the right move it's just like they they came out of that draft with more questions than hype even which was uh not a a usual thing with the number one pick it would be awesome if d'angelo and carl towns after years of kind of talking about doing it Went out there and did it. It would be just such a great story having Anthony Edwards chip in with his athleticism and scoring, not doing too much, but settling into a nice role. Would be fun to watch. These guys aren't going to be able to guard anybody, but if they can turn themselves into an elite offense, make the kind of jump that you're talking about, hoping for Atlanta to make, it would be a phenomenal story. I just can't talk myself into it. You know, I just cannot see it. I think it comes back to a lack of trust in Russell as a player. Um, you know, just questions about his habits, his commitment, and then his ceiling. Um, and then also I just, you know, I I look at just their general youth and how that kind of plays out in various ways, whether it's Malik Beasley stuff off the court, whether it's, you're going to need to fill a lot of minutes with guys who are teenagers (laughs) or or recent teenagers. And it, Mm -hmm. it just makes my skin crawl just a little bit. Um, and so I think, you know, add all that up. I can't be hopeful for Minnesota, even though my heart really wants to. And I hope they prove me wrong. I hope they go out there and, and they're kind of like this darling team that says, hey, uh, you know, we've been through a lot and we're going to channel it on the court. I guess I'm crossing my fingers for that one. But it goes back to what Town said this week where, you know, they're asking him, like, could basketball be therapy for you? He's like, no, I've lost seven family members. What are you talking about? You know, and that weighs on me, man. And I think it weighs on their organization, too. And, and it should because... That's the real priority in life. Uh, in any case, Michael, on that very downer note, thank you for ripping apart my list. I definitely should have contacted you and consulted you. I'm going to do that next year when I when I run this back because you convinced me on the Pelicans. You had me thinking twice about the Hawks. You almost talked me into the Clippers. You reminded me about how much I can't stand Coach Bud sometimes with the Bucs and probably should have been a little bit lower on them. All things considered, this was a productive brainstorm session, but here's the thing. We want to hear from the Open Floor Globe. Guys, what did I screw up? What did Michael screw up? Uh, Who did we forget to mention as we broke this thing down? Let us know your league pass, watchability, entertainment value rankings. Email us, openfloormail at gmail.com, openfloormail.com. At gmail.com. Michael's on Instagram and Twitter at Michael Vias and Victor Pina. I'm on Instagram at Ben.Golliver. On Twitter at Ben Golliver. Go to Apple Podcasts, find our page by searching for open floor. That's two words. When you get there, scroll down, it will say rate and review tap five stars. It's just that easy to help us spread the word. All right, Michael, we'll be back later this week with a more traditional uh, episode. We're going to hop into uh, the latest news and developments coming out of training camps. Hopefully, James Harden shows up. That'd be nice. And uh, hopefully we hear from uh, Kyrie Irving, who's dodging the media, and hopefully we hear from LeBron James and, and the Lakers as they get going as well. Uh, plenty of stars who need to check in, and, and we'll be all over it later this week. All right, Michael. Until then, I will talk to you.
0: Talk in ben.
2: Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
5: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card...
3: Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it
5: and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
3: You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new?